Welcome back. It's me, the Susan Anime, and you are listening to Slop Under the Sea with me. And we will be talking about movies, TV shows, books, fun holidays, everything from other countries to does this still hold up to this day? From, like, rub brats to, like, as told by Ginger, to Movie Monday, to True Creepy Things Tuesday, to whatever I feel like talking about, because this is my podcast, and I hope you all will stay and listen to me and have some good old-fashioned podcast fun, and we'll try to stay as calm as we can, but let's get into it, and let's all have some fun listening, and you can also see me sometimes on YouTube doing my podcast as well. Okay, here we go. It's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be 
right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast. Please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon. And with the ad coming up soon, I know y'all might want to skip it, but you should at least try to listen to some of it. Maybe it's important. I hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast. And I hope the ad and sponsor is a good one, Artichokey. Okay, dokey, Artichokey. Ad break is now. Welcome back to my podcast. Today, we are going to talk about Find a New Show Friday. It's not a new show, but it is to me. I didn't really watch it. I started watching some episodes. Stephen and Ellis Cato, once 1960 ridiculous, now find themselves in age era American trying to raise a traditional suburban family. Alex. Son Alex P. Carrington is an ambitious young Republican, and his sister Marilee is a shallow victim of the corporate culture obsessed with music, clothes, and boys. This is just what it's telling me online. I'm not in tomatoes. Uh, okay, it says 74%. So, Rod Tomatoes likes it. I'm just going to read what it is. Family Ties is an American sitcom television series that aired on NBC for seven seasons. Premiering on September 22nd, 1982 and concluding on May 14th, 1989, the series created by David Gary David Goldberg reflected the move in the United States from the cultural liberalism of the 1960s and 1970s to the con- conservism of the 1980s. This culture particularly expressed through the relationship between young Republican Alec P. Caton played by Michael J. Fox and his ex-hippie parents Steve and Elsie Carradine. The show who won multiple awards including three Emmy Awards for Michael J. Fox as Outstanding Lead Actor in a Comedy Series. Set in the suburb Columbus, Ohio, during the Reagan Emission, Reagan Emission, Stephen Ellisie, we're calling her E, are baby boomers, liberals, and former hippies, raising their three children ambitious would be millionaire ex Bartaniel Alec, Fashion Constant, Gopsy Mally, and Tomboy Jennifer. Married in 1964, E is an, an independent architect, and Steve, a native of Buffalo, New York. Inde- independent architect? 
is the station manager of WKS, a local public television station. Much of the humor of this series focused on the culture divided during the 1980s, where the younger generation reflect the con con center culture of the 1960s and embrace the moralism and conservative policies which came to define the 80, 1980s. Alex, the oldest, is a young Republican who embraces Reaganism and exhibits conservative attitude. Molly is a poly and a mannerlistic young woman in contrast to her venomous mother. Meryl Rowe is also presented as a Venice airhead who is food for jokes and teasing from her brother. Jennifer, an athletic tomboy and the second youngest child, shares the same values of her parents and just want to be a normal kid. Steve and E have a fourth child, Andrew, or Andy for short, who has been in the, in the early 1985. Alex dotes on his younger brother and molds Annie in his image. Regarding the concept, show creator Goldberg observed, it really was just an observation of what was going on in my life with my own friends. We were those kinds of radical, radical people and all of a sudden you're in the mainstream but now you've got these kids and you're empowered them and they're super intelligent and they definitely to the right of where you are. They don't understand what's wrong with having money and moving forward. A recurring theme involving Alex hatching a scheme involving some amount of greedy money-making, which led to a humorous misadventure and ended with Alex being forced to apologize for his choices. According to Glo Goldberg, we actually had this stature that we'd inherited from Jim Brooks and Alan Bun Burns, which was six seasons and a tie, and the last scene became Alex's apologize. In every show, we just let it up, Alex apologize. Some of the versions of it, neither less Fox portrayed of a likable Alec, provided to an important part of the show's success. Gorberg again stated, with Alex, I did not think I was creating a sympathetic, sympathetic character. Yeah, I didn't like Alex that much. Michael J. Fox did a good job on making you dislike his character. Also, he looks like a literally 50-year-old in a teenage body in this episode. It's so bizarre because, like, I see the photos of, like, him and it's like, wow, they really did not make that character likable. I don't know if he gets likable over the seasons. I just started re-watching some episodes and I'm like... Uh, I don't know if I could get through it all. It's kind of... Uh, not sure how I feel about the show. I like Michael J. Fox as an actor from, of course, every... the person... the franchise that we all know is Back to the Future. 
Maybe if you go back to the future, you could fix COVID and every other problem. That'd be great. <laughs> that would take forever, but you get my point. But yeah, his he was great at playing a character no one was sympathetic with. He was just so oh, that character rubs you the wrong way. Like I seen like this time period, this day and age, where Mean Girls have an arc where they're not sympathetic, they're horrible, but then eventually they go from being horrible to learning a lesson and becoming a better person. And I don't know if his character does that. The character, not him as an actor. I mean, the poor guy has PKU, not PKU, the poor guy has Perkinson's. I said PKU because I was thinking of something else, sorry. He has Perkinson's disease. And I experienced a family member who actually had it at an early age and it was so sad. He could barely walk, use the bathroom, and if you want to hear more about that, let me know. It's a whole story. I have stories on chronic health issues of my own and stories about families with different chronic issues, but uh, knowing and seeing, like one of my fears is I will get Parkinson's. Because I started showing some of the symptoms that he showed. And he was, like, younger than me. Like, he was pretty young. And it got worse and worse, so. But, at least this character is definitely what it, he played it right. Those were not, not traits that I aspired to and didn't want my kids to aspire to actually but the end of Family Ties when we went off the air the New York Times had done a piece and they said great with the face of an angel and I think that's true Michael J. Fox would make things work and the audience would simply not access the darker side of what he was actually saying I could see that he's seems like a very good actor from everything I've seen him in and he has like a face you could trust and you're like wait what was the character supposed to be but this character rubbed me the wrong way definitely not my favorite character L. Donnelly Kerton Steve's wife and mother of Alex M-A-L-L-O-R-Y Jeffrey and Andy is a successful architect and an ex-hippie liberal who lived in California in the 1960s. She is a patient, caring, and loving wife and mother. She meets Steve in college where they later marry. As Steve cared and Elle's husband and father to Alex Mallory, Mallory, Jennifer and Andy, he is a branch manager of the local PBS station. WKS, who is an ex-hippie liberal who lived in California in the 1960s, he, became, he can be argumentative at times, but in the end is a delight and supportive father who cares about his family deeply. He met and married E in college in Berkeley. Oh, they went to Berkeley? Dang! Every time I hear about Berkeley, I, the way that it proceeds is stressful. <laughs> That's what I've heard about it. Like, it's one of those top colleges, from what I understand. Tell me if I'm wrong, please. And that, like, I remember, the, like, I hear about Berkeley all the time in shows. I'm like, is it what the shows are saying it is? Or is this just what they 
want us to think. Let me know. I might look it up later on and do a whole thing because I'm interested to know. I did not go to a top-notch college. I went to uh, just local colleges. The eldest child and Earl, elder son of Steve and Eve, Alec P. Curtin, I wonder what P stands for, and brother to Mallory, Jennifer, and Andy. He is an intelligent and ambitious young Republican with only two goals in life, to be successful and make money. He later goes to attend Leland University and has long-term relationship with two women, Ellen Reed and Lauren Miller. He often clashes with his parents about their liberal politics, which conflicts with his own conversive views. Yeah, see, I hate talking about politics with people, because then you're just in an argument and no one ever wins. It's just an endless conversation that no one wants to be in. I try to avoid it. And then if I, like, give my side about it, I'm like, okay, but you're not going to want to hear it. Just like when people ask me about being a vegetarian, and I'm like, are you sure? Because I could be sitting here for hours doing this. And then we tiptoe in a circle like, yeah, that's your belief. Here's my belief. And it's a whole thing. So, <laughs> it's definitely something I... I'm like, no. I don't want to have this conversation. Okay. Jennifer Keaton, the second youngest and younger daughter of E and Steven, and sister to Alex, Marley, and Andy, is a tomboy who cares mostly include athletics. She shares her parents' liberal views and contrast her siblings' more conservative views. She is shown to be aggressive but sweet. She is shown to be jealous at first of Annie but later cares for him. Sometimes that happens with siblings. Andy Carton, season 5 to 7. Um, as baby Andy, the youngest child and younger son of E and Stephen and brother to Alex, Marley and Jennifer. He is born during season 3 due to Med Baxter being pregnant in real life. After he is born, the whole family quickly show affection and a loving attitude towards him, especially Alex, who attempts to mold him into a Republican just like him. He quickly ages by about four years between season four and five. Um, the show has, the show had been sold to network using the Pitch his parents square kids. Originally, E and Steve were intent to be the main characters. However, the audience reacted so positively to Alec during the taping of the fourth episode that he became the focus of the show. Fox had received the role after Matthew Birdrick turned it down. Lauren was considered for the role of Mallory Carden. Supporting cast and characters, Skippy, Nick Morse, Ellen Reed, Lauren Miller, main stars Meredith Baxter and Michael Ross are exactly the same age story. The same birthday on June 21st, 1947 in the series, their characters were intended to be approximately five or six years older given that their on 
Green Sun played Michael J. Fox. In fact, only 14 years younger than Baxter and Gross in real life. Okay, let's see if we can find any facts about this show. See, this is not my cup of tea. This show is definitely not my cup of tea. I don't really like to talk about politics and I don't want to listen to them. I mean, if I want to listen to it, I could just ask a family member. I don't need a whole show based on it. But that's just me. I don't mind some shows with a little bit of politics, but the whole show being about politics is a little much. But I'm also more into true crime, which apparently is a huge annoying thing to everyone. Like, I'm obsessed with, like, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Sabrina, um... I'm getting into Criminal Minds, which I'll talk about another Finding New Show Friday. I've seen clips of it, and I've seen, like, maybe one full episode before I start watching it. Um, oh, How to Get Away with Murder. I like that show. Pretty Little Liars. Like, I'm into those type of shows, so this one's a little different. Not my cup of tea, but people like it. Michael J. Fox is a good actor. Michael Burdrick was the creator First choice for Alec P. Carden. Gary David Goldberg saw an audition tape of Matthew Broadwick and wanted to cast him, Alec P. Carden, but Broadwick turned down the part as he didn't want to move to L.A. Goldberg saw Michael J. Fox audition tape, but didn't feel he was right for the role. I just thought no, Goldberg later told me TV land, and Mike is such a gifted actor that he could make his choice very suspicious and could play any role anyway and he made a very suspicious choice that day in the room at Paramount to play the darker side of Alec Carden and it didn't work. But casting director Judith Winner kept hounding Goldberg to cast him and finally Goldberg agreed to see Fox again. So Winner calls him in and I say, anything you want to tell me? He goes on, no, just do it better, huh? And he gives me this little smile, and I'm thinking, Matthew who? It was like, boom, he nailed it. He just played who he was, and he played another side. He was like, Mike, and as soon as he left, I turned to Judith, and I said, this kid's great. Why didn't you, why didn't you tell me about him? <laughs> Wait, so he, so Weiner calls him in, and I say, anything you want to tell me? He goes, no, just do it better. Huh? And he gives me this little smile and I'm thinking, okay, I'm not sure if I get it, but okay. Michael J. Fox saw Alex as a scared kid. On Insider, the actor studio host James Limp asked Fox, who is Alex Kennan? I always thought of him like a Mars Manson made out of rich paper. Rice paper, wait, a mansion made out of rice paper. Fox replied, he looked amazing. He felt good about what he presented to the world, but you could poke your finger through it at any time you wanted to. And then the fun was watching him react to what and recover from that and heist himself back up to the place where he thought he was. 
Buck said he saw a lot of himself in Alex and that the role taught him quite a bit of acting. What I learned about acting, especially during that show, is that I thought of acting when I was younger as something where you put a character, you put on a character, or trying to be somebody else and you really want it is, and really what it is, is trying to take off stuff. That's the great fun of playing Alex. He is a kid who's putting on all this stuff. And when it was really effective was when you see him naked. You see his just the scared kid. Yeah, kids are weird like that. Sometimes they put on a front. They don't care. There can be a little, like, they think they know what they believe and then they switch it. Or they believe in something that most people don't. And it freaks them out. And yes, I know. People have an issue with vegetarians. Back when I was a kid. Oh, I feel so old. But it was a thing. It was really weird. Let me tell you. Like, I've never seen anything so weird before. People freaking out. But this show was interesting. I gotta say, it's not my cup of tea. But if you like politics and... Michael J. Fox, like, if you want to watch it just because he's in it, that could be a reason, but I don't know. It's still not my cup of tea. I watch it just because this is where I think he got his story, but I could be wrong. During an interview with Emmy TV Land, Fox said he also based the character on his brother, who had great timing. My brother was so funny at the dinner table that you wait for what he had to say. Fox said he didn't put his glass of milk down and for the minute he took the glass of milk from his mouth. You're waiting for what he had to say so later all that became part of Alex. That is interesting. He took what he knew and what he saw from other people and turned it into a character. Alec P. Kitten was beloved by Conserverts and liberals alike. Finally, some good news on Bipsh artistship. Republicans and Democrats both loved Alex Fox, grew up in Canada, and was a part of any American politics construct, he told METV Land. As the character developed, Republicans really took Alec under their wing and made him a poster boy for the movement. At the time, too, social liberals were writing me letters saying, way to go stargazing that point of view so I was loved on both sides and that was uniquely about the character and uniquely about the show. It was one of the shows where it just caught a time. It just found its niche. The central value, the family element of it, that part of it, I think was a value that appealed to both sides of the spectrum. So it was unfitting in that sense. It's interesting that both Democrats and Republicans liked him. That is very interesting. Okie dokie, artichokey, it's time for an ad break slash sponsor. 
So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast. Please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon. And with the ad coming up soon, I know y'all might want to skip it, but you should at least try to listen to some of it. Maybe it's important. I hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast. And I hope the ad and sponsor is a good one, Artichokey. Okay, dokie, Artichokey. Ah, break it now. Okay, let's continue. Scott Valentine thought he was paid too much money to grunt. Scott Valentine played Marrow Mallory's boyfriend Nick Moore and felt the role was too dumbed down for him. That was some tough stuff there, he told Monoreal Radio Station. C-J-A-D-800 A-M. I'm glad I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and to all other fine acting institutions so I could grunt on prime time television. The primal did the date from heck. It was a lot of fun but literally there were times where I only had to utter two gruntle unreached in a show and they paid me a bundle of cash for it. I felt bad at times. Producers attempted a create a spin-off around Nick Moore and a total of three times. Nick Moore, Valentine's stallion character who was supposed to appear in a single episode of Family Times became a serious regal. Regular. He was such a popular character that the network decided to give him his own show. Three pilots were made, and all three failed. The first was a show called Taking It Home, where Nick, less name Morel, moves to. Detroit and lives with his grandfather, played by Horace Brand, died after filming in 1986, so the project was canceled. Sorry. The second show created around Nick and a daytime character from Juvenile did Okay. The second show centered around Nick and a daycare center for juvenile delinquents. They said kids telling Nick he was an idiot wasn't as funny as adults telling Nick he was an idiot. Valentino told Spy. The third time around 
wasn't the charm Valentino was looking for either. Valentino shot a pilot where Nick lives with his sister and her kid in New York City in a show called The Art of Being Nick. The show featured a pre-Seinfeld Julia Lewis Dreyfus who made a guest appearance as a lawyer on Family Ties and did well when it aired in 1987. It came in number two and they still didn't pick it up, Valentino said. Then hammered and howled and went back and forth and finally towards later, later summer said, geez, we'd like a shot at this again. And I said, you know what guys, if I do this, I'm going to be Nick for the rest of my life and we should put Nick to rest right now. Fox was almost fired because his face wasn't fit for a lunchbox. Wait, what? That sounds so crazy. Why is that even a thing? I'm laughing by, oh, oh, that's just, oh. That's a ridiculous reason why to fire someone, but okay. Brandon Tarkov, then president of NBC, wanted to fire Fox after the pilot. He said, I love the show. You've just got to get rid of the kid. I can't see that face on a lunchbox, Fox told Perdo. So years later, when Back to the Future and Family Ties was the number two show on TV, and I made Brandon a lunchbox with my picture on it, I don't know, this is for you to put your crow in. Love me, Brandon turned out to be a good friend and a great guy. He kept that on his desk until the day he died. Fox film family ties him back to the future simultaneously? Oh, like, right? Wow, I didn't realize that. Because of his contractual obligations to family ties, Fox initially wasn't allowed to do Back to the Future. Oh, that would have killed us. No, that wouldn't have been good. I loved him in the Back to the Future. No, no. I'm glad that they did not do that. He was good in it. But when things didn't work out with actor Eric Soch, the filmmakers tried again for Fox. Right before Christmas break in 1984, Goldberg called Fox into his office and told him about the movie and asked, was I prepared to do both the show and the movie at the same time? Fox told Para. All of a sudden, I came back from Christmas break and I want to work on Family Ties. And then that night, I was standing in the parking lot with filming tire trucks running between my legs and my whole world changed. I ended up getting about three hours of sleep a night for the next three or four months because they had to get the movie out that summer. Of course, the movie was a huge success and made Fox an even bigger star. Well, yeah, now it's just an iconic classic. Like, yeah. When Tracy Pollan first met Fox, she found him to be full of himself. At the start of season four, the producers cast Tracy Pollan as Ellen Reed, a grounded love interest for Alex. On Inside, the actor studio Lipton asked Poland what her first impression of Fox was, and she said he was feeling good about himself. I think I thought he was kind of full of himself. And then we started to work together, and I got a comp 
completely different impression and how completely opposite from that he was. Just funny and so smart and just all of these other things came through those first two weeks we worked together. Yeah, I think that snobbiness was from his character because I felt that from watching the show. And I hear he's nothing like that in person. I've never met him, but that's what I've heard about him. Fox had an immediate crush on Pauline, Pauline, Pauline. I'm terrible at names and credits her for helping him win his first semi. I had this moment where I was looking at her and thinking, she's really good. She was so persistent. Fox said, I really learned the importance of presence. I've been having a lot of fun playing this guy for laughs, but I really felt now I gotta work here. I gotta show up and do this because this actress is really the real thing. It was a profound moment for me in a way. Pollen, whose brother is famed food writer Michael Pollen, author of the anonymous Delamere, appeared on the show for 13 episodes between 1985 and 1987. On July 16th, 1988, she and Vox married. Today, they have four children. Oh, that is so cute! Some people do find their true love working with them on TV shows. I was watching, I believe her name is Colleen, but if I'm saying her wrong, please forgive me. Colleen Ballinger and Rachel Ballinger and Colleen and her husband met on her TV show, Haters Back Off, because she plays Miranda Sings. And of course, there was, when I was growing up, there was Zac Efron and Vanessa. There was a lot of stars who ended up breaking up, but together, and then, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But it is cute. There was a rumor that Fox and Courtney Cox were an off-screen item for the last two seasons of Family Ties. Future Friends star Courtney Cox, COX, joined the cast as Alex's girlfriend, Lauren Miller. Rumors swirled that Fox had broken up with his former co-star Pauline. They got married. They can't just break up easily and hook up with Cox, Courtney Cox. <laughs> Their names rhyme. Uh, oh, I'm just so silly. Fox, Cox. Kind of rhymes. People always want to read. There's romance when it's just two actors having a good time working with each other. Fox told people in 1987, I'm having a great personal relationship with Tracy and a great professional relationship with Courtney. He married the first girl and had four children. Cox also brushed off the rumor. I've never been to a nightclub with Michael, she said. I've never even been to some of the clubs the tabloids name. Even my stepfather called me up and said, so I hear you're busy for Thanksgiving. Oh, the rumor mill. The Urban Production logo was actually Gary David Goldberg's dog named Urban Row. Oh, it's a cute little doggy. I just love animals. Now, the iconic production company sign off tag at the end of every episode featured a picture of a black lab. U-B-U-R-O-I with a frisbee in its mouth and a voice saying, sit 
Uber sit good dog. The photo was taken near the Louvier in Paris. Ooh, I so want to go to Paris one day. During the trip, Goldberg and his wife hitchhiked across hitchhike across Europe. As far as hitchhiking goes, most people who pick us up pick us up because of you be you. Goldberg wrote in his memoir, Sit, Yuba, Sit, Hell, I went from Brooklyn to Hollywood with the same woman, the same dog, and a lot less hair. <laughs> I just thought, you know, I went very little distance between who I was that day and who I am. Now, Goldberg told METV Legends, I just didn't want a lot of distance there. So it's really nice to have that logo to always remind you who you are. Unfortunately, you were died in 1984, but the logo lived on in Goldberg's other shows like Spin City and Brooklyn Bridge. Your little doggy will live on forever in those photos. Brian Binshaw. Bonshaw? Binshaw had a difficult time transitioning to adulthood. A lot of child stars do and a lot of people do, even in general. Adulthood isn't as easy as people make it out to look. And when I was younger, people made it look like it was just so fabulous. Seriously, they tried to make it out like it was this amazing thing that would happen. And you get to do whatever you want. No bad time. You could have food, many of your own. And then they don't tell you the hardship that comes with it. They really don't. And so I get what transitioning in adulthood is not as easy. Beginning in 1986, child actor Brian joined the cast as the Cairns' fourth child and second son, Andy. In real life, in the years since family ties, Brian has had a few run-ins with the law. After the show ended, Brian moved to Boulder and finished school. In 2004, he was arrested for drinking and driving. In 2007, he was arrested for assaulting a girlfriend? Dang, dude. Then in 2009, he went to jail. Someone needs to get him a therapist, some mental help, and some assistance. Dang. This time, for breaking a stool and hitting his friend with it several times. In 2010, after testing positive for marijuana, he was arrested yet again for violating the conditions of his bond. Today, he tours as a musician. Hopefully, he doesn't do any of that stuff anymore and learn from it because that... Some people just need mental help and they don't know how to ask. Skippy Holman is a stand-up comedian. Mark Price played the kid's lovable, annoying, mollier, <sighs> obsessed neighbor, Skippy Holman for the duration of the series since the show ended. Price has kept the comedy going by touring the country with his stand-up routine. A lot of people know me as Skippy, and that doesn't scare me, Price told the Sun Sutter in nineteen ninety-three. This was like before I was born. Finally, I feel old again, young again. <laughs> I've been feeling old and then young. It's a very complicated age. 
people want me to hate that, uh, that, but I don't hate that because that's how people know me. I accept that and I'm looking to getting recognized as Mark Price in due time. Price says people come to the show because of Skebby, but I'm certainly Mark Price and they get to meet Mark Price. Is it Mark or Mac? Ma uh, it's M-A-R-C, Price. He's thrilled when people approach him about his comedy, but it's okay when people ask him, Hey, Skippy, did you ever do it with Mallory? That's her name. That doesn't bother me either. Justin Baderman graduated from UCLA in 2016. Justine. That's awesome. After Family Ties, Bartman continued to act in TV shows, most notably playing a high-priced skirt on the episode of a sort of development called Family Ties, starring opposite her brother Jason, but then decided to quit acting and go to college. She enrolled in UCLA under Garrad Computer Science and Management Program, for which she graduated in June 2016. That's interesting. When I graduate, I will either run a division of a company that is tech and entertainment together or I'll get funding for my own company with a focus on taking current technology to film far more complex stories. Bertman told The Hollywood Reporter just a few months before he graduated, Bertman documented her college, it says her than him, and I don't know, experience with a Tumblr account where she wrote, I especially want a job or a company that is playing with high, very high stakes, swimming with very powerful players and working with very ambitious projects. I want a big knife to cut into a big cake and all the responsibility that comes with it. That is so cool. That is a very interesting way to take on things. Okay, well, I hope y'all enjoyed. I hope y'all have a great weekend. I will talk to you tomorrow. Hopefully. I hope y'all have a great weekend and a great day. And I hope y'all enjoyed this podcast. Bye for now. Check out Gummy Bear Sloths if you want to hear about animals and other kid-friendly things. If you want, you can check out my Patreon as well. Uniquely you always. Okie dokie, artichokey. It's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast. Please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon. And with the ad coming up soon, I know y'all might want to skip it, but you should at least try to listen to some of it. Maybe it's important. I hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast. And I hope the ad and sponsor is a good one, Artichokey. Okie dokie, artichokey. Ah, break, it's now. 
I hope you like. You can check me out on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. I also have another podcast. I hope y'all enjoyed this podcast. Bye for now. Over and out.